0: Well, I guess at this time, unless the little ones are all staying up for grown-up church, are you going to... Yeah? What's that? (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty quick. And we're going to open up our Bibles to James. James chapter 4. And really... uh, Kind of some of the topics that we're going to be addressing this morning. The, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, they need to be meditated on more by myself. I don't feel like I'm doing them justice, just presenting them out. I mean, you could just do a series and do one point on each, each one of these walking in the spirit principles. Uh, from a leadership perspective um, I think of just men as we're called to, to lead our homes and interact with our kids when I think of church leadership uh, so I guess I say all that uh, we're just, we're just going to look at it um, in a surface scratch um, but take these home and think through what each one looks like in your own life um, quite often I mean I think of the candidating committee you know, and they had a particular guidelines when they were interviewing me to see if my, my life reflected the, the guidelines, the biblical guidelines, and whether I was called to it, right? And, uh, which is a good thing. But oftentimes we forget that a pastor, as he's looking to live this out, he's leading the people in the pews to live it out. Right? It's not just looking at me. It's not just making sure that I'm living out these principles. So we'll, uh, we'll step into the text. I'll pray and we'll recognize that this is kind of a two-way thing here, right? Not just a one-way thing. And uh, that'll be a comfort for me as well. Dearly Father, Lord, we recognize this morning that we are human. Lord, we understand that we make mistakes. Well, we understand that uh, for some those mistakes led into seasons of life of mistakes and lord that's a good place to start lord none of us are perfect there was only one perfect human and that was your son lord but that's our example lord when you use words like righteousness and holiness you're calling us to conform to his image you're calling us out of the old man you're calling us out of the the things that That we enjoy the things quite often that the world's attached to and you're calling us to be changed so i pray as we work through this study that this wouldn't just be be words this wouldn't just be principles this wouldn't just be things that 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 we know about lord we would look at our own lives we would we would recognize that (laughs) there are times when we were not these these attributes. We were not these characteristics. We were not living out these principles. And Lord, perhaps there are some in this room that aren't today. And Lord, I pray that you would get a hold of their hearts and you would call them to that change. We recognize even now that as your word is being presented, that your spirit is moving. And everyone here will make that decision, myself included, as to, to how we will respond. I just pray for your leading and that we would understand this text clearer and deeper than we have before. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So just as we begin, I'd like to start in James chapter 3, verse 13. And we'll just begin working our way down. And these principles, we've been through them, we've ironed it out. They should stand out for those that have been in our our small group studies and our our midweeks. Uh, but it really is fascinating how all this is threaded together. And in verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? As James is writing, it is to church leadership. And I think my title that I keep putting in is church leadership, church family, and Christian homes. Okay, so it is church leadership. And if you're in church leadership, you're probably leading in your home just as every man is called to. Right, and then we have the Christian home being functioning. I mean, if your Christian home is in shambles, guess what? You know, you, your church will be as well. Right, and we see that principle all through. Okay, so but um, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works. Right, thinking last week, his building, right? How he's serving, his works are done in meekness of wisdom. All right, there's, a, there's a power under control as, as they're leading. They're allowing the spirits when they're speaking, when they're, when they're rebuking, when they're serving. You can recognize the spirit is leading them. They're connected that way. But if you have bitter envy, okay jealous, piercing jealousy is one of the interpretations to that. If you have me motives, all right, if you have self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth last week we recognized there i mean as the spirit is seeking to use you and you you have your own motives and you're speaking for yourself right you're lying and boasting against what the spirit is is calling on you to say and do but it's also speaking to the, the other side of it you don't force that motive You don't force that ambition on someone else because it's sin. (laughs) Just because it's something that you want, it doesn't necessarily come for God. So we have those two sides of that. Do not boast and lie against the truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. This wisdom, if you are pushing your envy and you are pushing your self-seeking, your selfish ambition, this wisdom does not descend from above. It's not coming from God. If you've got a guy up here or there that, that's stomping his feet and, he, and, and he's rattling chains and he, he's commanding things and, and you're going, whoa, whoa, hold on, something's wrong with this picture. Right? That's wisdom that does not come from above. God speaks through his word, through his spirit. Right? And that's how we understand their, that truth. So the self-seeking and, and bitter envy, the wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual, demonic. Paul uses words like fleshly. Right? It's, it's of your flesh. It's carnal. Right? It's of self. What does it look like for where envy and self-seeking exist? Confusion and every evil thing are there. That's played out in churches. Right, when leaders are not leading for Christ, when this this is closed and they have their own ideas. I, I I wanna I wanna talk to you about something this morning. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. You better open your Bible before your mouth. <laughs> right? I guess it's not about what you think, it's not about what you want. Right? And you see confusion, you see uh, evil. That's maybe a, a strong word, but I mean you see unrighteousness and, and the opinions and you see the, the selfish ambitions they're poured out. Why? Because they're speaking from themselves. They're allowing Satan, right? And that's ultimately, if Christ is not leading your life, Satan and the world is influencing you. And they're allowing that into the pulpits, into the leadership, into the Christian homes. So where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But, circle that, but we have a contrast. Praise the Lord, we have a contrast. We have faithful believers in in church leadership, um, Christian homes, right but wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy now the fruits of righteousness and that again i'm just thinking sermon about seek the kingdom of god and his and its righteousness Now the fruits of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I just thought there that I'm just going to take some time and work through each one of those. I'm going to call them an attribute, a characteristic of of being conformed to Christ. Um, Each one of these these principles or attributes Jesus brings out. And if you were to read through the Sermon on the Mount, you see them very quickly. You see them very clearly. Jesus addresses each one of these things, and it's a fascinating study to do. But then we'd need another six months to make our way through the last couple chapters of James, so we won't. Um, but I mean, that this purity, and I spent time this week just thinking through that. I mean, the church, church leadership, and the church family, Christian homes, we're to be led by Christ, right? We're to lead with Spirit-led wisdom. As we read the Word of God, the Spirit leads us in these principles, And this is what Paul talks about, the walking of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. So I kind of, I put the heading here, leading, responding in spiritual fellowship and unity, understanding that that each believer is called to this, right? Intimately engaging in prayer, right? And studying and and serving with each other. And that's what knits us together. I still remember the the first time Dr. Doherty was teaching us that this life, is the training ground for the next, right? As we, as we develop now, it's for our time in the kingdom, right? When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we receive that recompense, we receive that reward, it's based on what we learned and what we did now. So that's what makes these principles so important to look at our own lives and say, hey, what does this look like? So the first one, uh, just as we step into this, is first pure And I thought to myself, how do you describe pure fellowship, pure spirit-led intimacy, right, with Christ? And that is pure, I mean, in church leadership, in the homes. And I just put down sincere intimacy. This is where your prayer and your worship and your study together and your your spiritual growth and your serving together, um, this is where the, the loving God... Uh, in obedience for fellowship and loving your neighbor comes out. And I don't, and and I'm pretty sure here. (laughs) When you think of that wisdom that is first from above is first pure, the only way you develop that is by spending time on your knees, is by spending time in the Word, is by spending time together growing in this. And this isn't a a me and my faith thing. This is a together thing. James is talking. It's plural. He's talking, and and as that pours down there, the the, the leaders that are finding themselves in sincere intimacy with Christ, spirit-led, the people in the church find themselves engaging in that pure spiritual intimacy. That's that wisdom. So then we have the second one, then peaceable. That one's hard for me because I like to aggravate. I like to stir the pot. My wife's agreeing. I—that's right? my personality. I think I was born with it. All right, but this—this this is speaking about: Do we always get along as church families? No. Does church leadership always get along? Oh, we're we're wired differently. We have different personalities. We have different gifts. We have we have different directions in life. We have different se- service. Pardon me. Seasons of life so how do we describe this word peaceable like i mean spirit-led wisdom right how do we describe that word peaceable How to myself you always look at someone and understand that they're christ's child first right in leadership if you have that man sitting at the board and and he is driving you up the wall and, and he's missing the boat maybe he's not even close to the water right but at the same time you recognize that man's a child of god first Right, God is using him. Maybe it's not there, and Mr. Hoag does a good job of connecting that. Maybe he doesn't agree with me, but he's a child of God first, the same way when we're interacting with each other. I mean, you guys have seen me have a couple strips tore off of me, right? I mean, it's part of it. We're human. But you always recognize that they're a child of God first. Right? And that's that peaceable. That, that, that helps you not respond fleshly, and, and earthly and sensuous, but I mean, that, that's the beginning point, peaceable. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that, that you don't want to, to react, but you understand, okay, the Spirit's leading me to be peaceable, right? And as the child of Christ first, and I, I wanted to partner with that. It's always not my will, but thine, right? And that helps us with that peaceable side. That helps us their, their, their foster that fellowship, So we've got pure, we've got peaceable. What about being gentle? And again, I'm not very good at this. My mom cried uh, with me as a baby because I'd rather fight and kick and, and and wrestle than hug and cuddle. And as her firstborn, that's all she wanted. Right? That that my my personality is not to be gentle. Chris is smirking again. Yeah, it's 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 true. All right, but again, how do we how do we describe that in church leadership? How do we describe that you know, as parents, as fathers and leaders in the home? You know, this idea of being spirit-led and gentle. Right? And, and just thoughts that come into that. It's leading, but not forcing the truth. Okay? I want you to think about that. You can't browbeat someone to the place of, of changing their mind and being conformed. As much as your heart is broken, as much as they're, they're making you angry, as much as they're hurting you, you can't browbeat them. And, and as I thought about that wisdom from above and you being gentle, it's leading is not forcing truth. It's presenting it. And it's understanding that, that you are very, very firm. You are unmoving on the line that God has according to his word. Right? But you have to be gentle and gentle isn't going oh they'll get it someday and we'll just we'll just we'll just condone or or we'll just no it it is is presenting the word of god and saying look you know this is wrong right you you understand let me show you i know you know but let me show you and i and i keep rehearsing in my own own life it's the word of god and it's the spirit to their spirit that's when that decision is made and that's not that gentleness Um, It's not personality, it's spirit-led wisdom. It's being firm on that line, it's pointing it out, but it's understanding that I can't, as much as I want to, (laughs) beat them to that place of doing that. And that's that gentleness. And I know that's something that needs to be learned. I know many fathers make errors. Right? I know, I know hereditary-wise, I mean, they, they didn't have loving fathers and they, they weren't gentle, and we see that played out. But that's something that the Spirit helps us in. That's something that we can begin today. That Spirit-led wisdom of being gentle. What about this willing to yield? And again, we understand this is wisdom from above, so this is spiritual. You don't really gain this from books. <laughs> I mean, you can help, but this is spirit-led wisdom. This is our, as we're spending time in the Word, as, as we're being changed ourselves. And this willing to yield. Does that mean bending over backwards for anyone and everyone? Does that mean you know, making sure everyone's included and everyone there is, is, everyone's opinion is considered and everybody's happy? Oh, no, that's not, not what that is speaking to. If I was to, to, to iron it out, I put it this way, willing to yield, especially in church leadership, and I think of, uh, of leading in the church and leading in the homes, of uh, dealing with our teens. I'm, I'm, my son's turning 16 here in June, and I uh, was chuckling a little bit there yesterday with the funeral. I mean, I got you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 of them up here on Friday nights, right? And I'm getting a taste, taste of that parenting. I can't imagine what it's like living with them, um, really. But I mean, this, this, this leadership, these qualities... Right, coming out. And I, I'm being I'm being true. They drive me up the wall. Alright? But the, the willing to yield, unmoving on truth, but growing in humility. What I mean by that is you, you've got the word of God, this is spirit led wisdom, you've presented it. They know that you're unmoving on that. And yet they watch you and you're growing in that humility. Right? They, they, they watch you as you're, you're, you're learning that side of things. I think of the body of Christ. If somebody comes with a different idea, you begin to, to process it, and that's that humility that comes out of it. I thought to myself, ministry is leading people, and people are human. Right? They, they will come with different ideas. They will come with with things that don't make sense and you have to process. But, but there has to be that humility on moving on truth. But there has to be that humility in that fellowship. And then lastly, with that willing to yield, Chrissa uses this term. I'm not sure whether she... We'll just say she, it's, it's original with her. No, it's not original with her. But she calls it disputable truths. Right? This willing to yield is unmoving on truth. But as you're listening, you're humble enough to, 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 to decide, okay, is that, something, is that something we're dying over? Is that a disputable truth where there isn't really a concrete for that? Like, am I willing to yield it, 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 so that it doesn't hurt that person? Um, does that make sense, disputable truths? Is it, is it something that the Word says, you know, thou shalt not... Or is it something that, that we could maybe give way a little bit here? Right? And that disputable truth, there, that, that's something that the Spirit helps us in, that willing to yield. If that's not making any sense, we could use masks as one of them. That's a disputable truth. <laughs> you know, vaccines, I mean, is that something worth cutting relationships over? No. Right? I mean, you just going, tattoos, is that one? Oh, you got a tattoo. You know, we can't associate with you anymore. Is that, you know, It, it just different things like that, okay? Unmoving on truth. Don't run me out there. I'm not encouraging people to run out and get tattoos. Um, but, I mean, you have unmovable truth, but you're willing to yield. You're humble enough to say, okay, is this a disputable thing? And you imagine back in the first century church, I mean, they had limited writing, limited study, and everybody had an idea. I mean, they were going to Greeks, Greeks are the most polluted, perverted nations imaginable before now. <laughs> but anyway, they had all kinds of different ideas. Okay, So willing to yield, unmoving on truth, growing in humility, understanding that ministry is leading people. People are human. You're going to have to, right? but that you don't move on truth, always discerning disputable truths, identifying opinion. What about the next one here? Full of mercy. Right, this, this compassion and, uh, again, quietness. Learning to have a heart after God's. That was, that was one of David's, David's aspects. I mean, he had a heart after God's own. That's full of mercy, compassion. Uh, willing to take time. Broken over brokenness, but firm on their responsibility. What do I mean by that? Just thinking through here this 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 benevolence. And I know you guys have been in situations like this where you just you're heartbroken. Right? And I think of weighing down the Dominican. You're heartbroken over, over a lot of the situations. I think of some of the, the the addictions, you know, cases where you go in and you're sitting with the parents and and I mean their child, their teeth are rotted out of their head, they haven't bathed in in months. You know, they, they've lost everything. I mean, they're, they're, they're heading, heading to the grave, right? You're broken over brokenness. You're full of mercy. But at the same time, you have to recognize their responsibility. Right? And in church leadership, that's important. Because, I mean, as, as the Spirit's leading us, people have to make their decisions. People have to choose Christ. People have to, have to, to respond, you know, and, and, and recognize the error of their ways, so we're broken for brokenness and yet we're, we're recognizing their responsibility in that. Same goes as parents. I mean, my parents had to do that in my own life because otherwise they were enabling me in my addictions. Right? They were broken for my brokenness, but they drew that line. Full of mercy, but they drew that line. Um, good fruits. Right? Again, this is, this is talking about the, the spirit working through us changing our, our own characters, and then and, and working outwardly through us. Um, good fruits. This is your spirit-led service. This is the conforming of your life. And in the notes I put here, with the flock and with the family. I'm going to say, I, I read quite a few different pastoral books. Right? And, and, and just, just some of these older men just working through how they learned and stepped into the ministry. And you never hear them talking about doing it from the pulpit. Right? It's always about doing it with the people. It's always about the small groups. It's always about building relationships. Right? It's always about interacting. And, and when they're talking about fruit, it's spirit-led. They're being changed themselves and they're interacting with The church family. They're interacting with the flock. Um, You use that in a in a home situation. You don't just learn this as a father sitting in the the church service, you know, for the the 30 minute message and the worship time. You take it home and you live it out amongst your kids. You live it out there as you're conforming yourself and you look to disciple your own kids in that leadership. That's that good fruit, that's that spirit led fruit no partiality we studied that one a couple weeks ago and that's simply recognizing that all are equal in christ if you've placed your faith in christ all are equal in christ positionally if a poor man comes in i don't treat him any different than a a man with a bit more money right if A man comes in there and uh, you know, he's a believer and he's not dressed the best. I'm not going to give him the highest position. He, he's a believer in Christ. We are all equal. But at the same time, we recognize that Christ is the head. That spirit leads his people and not all people are walking in obedience. Right? And, and there is, a, there is a, a, a difference there. And we'll get to that if we get to that there with the separation. Because there is a separation with obedience and the intimacy with Christ. And that, that's overbroken fellowship. So last one in verse 17. Without hypocrisy. We looked at this in prayer meeting. Right? With Matthew 23 and 24. Right, and that's not, that's not for, for leadership. That's not saying you guys do this without doing it myself. And that's what the Pharisees did on a continual basis. When they taught the word, this was for you. Right? When they said there, "This is what God wants us to do, we want you to give more money." right? You would be given more money, and I would not be." Right? I mean, it, it, hypocrisy is saying and commanding and not doing, and we're back with that aspect there. James is like, you guys standing in the pulpits or, or, or leading your homes, telling people what to do and not doing it with them, not, <laughs> not doing it with them. I mean, that is hypocrisy. And that is that is one of the clear identifiers there that the Spirit is not leading them. They are not walking by Spirit-led wisdom. So you kind of see there the, the depths of, of these things, these characteristics, and, and how you can quickly there identify whether Christ is leading or not. Verse 18 speaks to now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Right, and we have to understand that this is within the body of Christ. Right, this isn't, this isn't our, our attachment to the world because we're called to separate. When he says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That is the Spirit led, the Spirit leading us, binding us together. And, then, and I, I would say there's Sunday nights, we recognize this fruit. We, we recognize being sown in peace, this, this being brought together. Right, this being quick to pray, being quick to, to not just chat, is like, this is what God's doing, or this, being quick to, to share, being quick to give testimony. Right, the Spirit weaves and knits the body of Christ together now, okay? and this is, this is pictures of the then, when we step into the kingdom. This is the seeking the kingdom and His righteousness. So I'll read it one more time and then I'll just make that point there. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I'll ask the question, does everyone in the church participate in this? Oh, and the answer would be no. We won't fool ourselves. This is a spirit-led intimate thing. This is a spirit-led making peace. And this isn't just getting along with your neighbor. This is engaging Right, actively seeking. This is, I mean, Paul was talking about in Ephesians. This is your spiritually edifying. Right, not every, everyone in the church participates in this. And this goes for those in leadership. And this goes for those in the pew. We wonder why there's problems. That's how James opens up chapter 4. He's contrasted. You've got the flesh. You've got selfish ambition, you've got envy, you've got piercing jealousy. Then you've got walking in the Spirit, right? And he lists those things out. And I mean, you should be able to sit down with that list, with your spouse, with your partner, um, with anybody, really, that, that's a believer, and work through, what does this look like? I mean, you guys should be able to evaluate my life, because I'm in church leadership. You should be able to look at your deacons and say, what does this look like in their lives? Wives, you should be able to look at your husband's and say, what does this look like in their lives? Because they're leaders in the home. Right? And we see it go through that. And it should, you should be able to identify these things, because this is what um, Jesus commands in his red letters, and this is what we're conforming our lives to. But if there's problems, and we recognize that we are human and, and there are problems, and he says, where do wars or battles and fights come from among you? Now, these are believers, these are saints. These are Christian leaders. And, and believe me, I, I hear lots of stories. Uh, I get Christianity Today in my email, and I'm almost going to un, unfollow them. But just just the, the, the amount of nonsense that's going on amongst Christian leaders today. The, the, the fighting and the battling and the, 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 the horrible doctrines that try, they are trying to push. And then the flip side, I mean, the sexual abuse you know trials and all that stuff i mean it, it, it's horrific where do wars where do battles and fights come from among you do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members and paul says it this way you're battling flesh and you're battling, battling spirit this is your roman seven right this is this is a continual thing these leaders i mean they're they're living for themselves they're living for their thoughts um, the people in the church, right, among you, we know that they're being influenced there. They're, they're living for their flesh. They're living by their, they're for their opinions. They're living for what they think. This is the flesh versus the spirit. And then he steps in there in verse 2 down to verse 6 in some very, again, specific, and you can go right to the Sermon on the Mount and outline it with what Jesus says about these things. He says, you lust and you do not have. If we were at a leadership conference, we'd be spending some time on this. Do you think lusting? Jesus talks about it. If you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, it's adultery. Right? Jesus deals with this. This is, this is sexually looking for something outside of your marriage. And these church leaders, that's, that's what's going on. And, and how do you think the people in the pews are behaving? We know how the church of Corinth was behaving, but I mean, they're seeing their leaders do it. We've seen the leaders struggle with pornography. We're seeing all that different stuff, right? It, 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 it follows down the line. She says, you lust and you do not have. This is, this is very real today. He says, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. Jesus is talking about there, if you have, if you have anger in your heart, when you bring the, your, your sacrifice, you're supposed to go to the brother, right? That hate is the same as murder, the coveting and cannot obtain there. When you're, when you're looking around there and you're desiring, it's, it's the aspect of mammon. right? Your, your cares of this world, your deceit of righteousness, your, your desire for other things. Right? You covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you battle amongst yourselves because it's all about you. And yet you do not have because you do not ask. serving themselves they're not attached to the vine John 15 we've taken our time with that that's that if, if you're actively involved in something it needs to be prayed over it needs to be spirit led and these men were not attached to the things of Christ I put a caption in there just a like, you're asking for things but you do not have remember this is not about you it's never about you Part of me doesn't want to go into that, this next section, but I think we'll probably come back to it next week. We'll just read down through it. We'll just recognize that if we're serving anything, or if anything comes before Christ, His church and His commission, the picture there is that we're cheating on Him. Right, the church is the bride of Christ. Same way, same way, with a division. Same way, Israel was was the wife to God, and every time there they decided to disobey and put something before Him. Right, not put Him first. And maybe it wasn't going up to the sanctuary, or maybe it wasn't going up to the feast, or maybe it wasn't you know tithing, or maybe it wasn't worshiping, or maybe it was you know. Choosing not to pray. Anytime there, it was described as intimately and physically cheating. It would be the same as a husband sexually getting involved with another woman. And that's how God saw that. We flip that over to the church, right? We are the spiritual bride of Christ. Christ is our bridegroom. This is your Ephesians 5. And if we put anything before Christ, if we make him secondary, even if we're casual towards him, the comparison is that we are sexually, right? Infidelity, we are sexually giving ourselves to someone else. And that's why he uses this term here. And I... I, I, (laughs) Adultery is such a damaging, selfish thing. Right, It hurts everyone. It hurts, it hurts the children, hurts the friends, hurts the circles. And it's no different in the church. Right? You have people there in leadership that are not putting Christ first. Guess what? It's hurting the church. You have people in the church that aren't putting Christ first. It's hurting the Christian homes. It's a, it's a horrific cycle. There's a reason why James uses the term here, adulterers and adulteresses. Christ does not have your heart. You're, you're, you're giving yourself intimately and physically to someone else. That's heartbreaking. The rest of verse 4 explains. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? I've read that a lot. Separate, don't do worldly things, you're good to go. But I've never, never really stopped and thought about that intimacy. Intimacy. I know how much it would hurt if Krissa went out and got sexually active with another man. I, I, I know how that would devastate me. I know how much that would hurt. And yet that's exactly what's being portrayed here. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship, a preference, this is a philia, So it's not a it's not a spirit led friendship. Okay? This is a, a, a friendship connection, desire um, for that. Do you not know friendship with the world is enmity with God? God, God hates it. Right? He doesn't call you, call you to separate fully. I mean, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. But, but world is enmity with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Why? Because you broke his heart. Right, you've given you yourself intimately and physically to someone else. Or do you think that Scripture says in vain that the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously jealously? He wants all of you. He wants your first thoughts when you wake up. Right? He, 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 wants, he wants to spend time with you. He wants to speak to you there as as the Bible's calling out to you. Right? He wants to use you. I mean, that's that whole, the, the wisdom, it, it, that, that's where we need to be. But He gives more grace. When do we receive that grace? When we're coming to Him. When we're seeking Him. When do we, when do we engage and, and we, we, we learn those principles we learned in 17 and 18? That's, that's when we're coming to Him. We don't do these on our own. These things don't just happen. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I don't say this to, to, to hurt anyone, but there's a lot of, of a lot of, I, the word keeps coming up, a lot of collapse going on that we've been watching. Churches are Collapsing. Right? Leaderships are collapsing. The Christian homes are collapsing. Uh, it doesn't take you long and you're driving around and you see, see the home and not just the physical structure. And some of them like, well, they used to go to church. They used to go to youth group. They used to, right? There's a lot of that going on. We need to pause and think about that for a second. Why is that? As heavy as it sounds, this verse tells us it's because God is resisting them. They know better, right? Church leaderships, you won't get away with it, right? If you're living according to the flesh, you won't get away with it. You know, Christian homes, same thing. You, you can't pretend, right? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And those are the ones that are being conformed and coming to him and, and serving and, and seeking. And that goes again at a, Church leadership level, pastoral, deacon, um, leaders in the homes, Christian homes. That's how it works. So there is, there is an explanation when you see that collapse. It's not just sin. If they're believers, God's resisting them. Right? And that's, that's a heavy, heavy statement to be made. But the good news is, we can return. People do return. I always come with a message of victory. There's victory in Christ but decisions have to be made. So I'll just leave it, leave it there for this morning, and I encourage you just to work down through those principles and just say, what does this look like in my own life? A hey, good homework. Very anyway, Father, Lord, I can't imagine what was going on in these churches for James to be this straightforward. Lord, it must have been a mess. Um, it must have just been a, a, just a Wild West show. Or when it came to, to their home meetings, when it came to their times of prayer, uh, so many people being hurt, or so many people being forced away, so much damage, so much missed opportunity for ministry. And yet, you had James write this. And Lord, oftentimes, we don't think about it, but it's easier to deal with these things at the beginning than have to do damage control afterwards. Lord, I pray that each of us in this room would take take some moments this week and to work back through this passage. What does this look like in my life? What does this look like in my church? What does this look like in in, in my church leadership? Lord, that we would see you just working in and through our church family as we we seek to knit ourselves to you. Lord, this being sown in righteousness. And we do thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I pray that, that you would just make this growth and this connection contagious. And Lord, that it would spill out through these doors and we would see people that uh, perhaps for the past two years have been being safe or, or, or making their, their decisions and, and online. Lord, we knew many uh, have not been attending, Lord, and have left even before two years, Lord. And I pray that you would just begin stirring. Lord, you bring, begin just presenting to them their need for this fellowship and lord that we would see this this church not just grow numerically but grow and we would see it just engaging in what you have for us and i pray these things in your precious name amen